0: Ah, but soon enough, a clock begins to strike the hour. Scrooge awakes and cowers in bed as eerie music grows and a mysterious glowing light begins to shine brighter and brighter. Ebenezer Scrooge! Scrooge flinches, then slowly surveys the room. It is hung with holly and mistletoe, which reflect the light like a thousand tiny mirrors. Heaped upon the floor are turkeys, geese, game, poultry, haunches and wreaths of sausages, suckling pigs, mince pies, plum puddings, cherry cheeked apples and fragrant pears. <laughs> reclining atop this bounty is a huge, jolly spirit.
1: <laughs>
2: come, come forward, come and know me better. Who are you? I am the ghost of Christmas present. You have never seen the like of me before. Never. I've never walked forth with the younger members of my family. I'm afraid I have not. Have you many brothers and sisters, Spirit? More than 1,800. More than 1,800 Christmases. A tremendous family to provide for. Spirit,
3: conduct me where you will. I went forth last night on compulsion and I learned a lesson which is working now. Tonight, if you
2: have ought to teach me, let me profit by it. She took you traveling through time. I'll take you traveling through space. Advance, little man! Have a plum? Not hungry? Hold fast to my rope, then, and I will show you the present.
0: They stood upon a city street on Christmas morning the people shoveling snow away from their housetops were jovial and full of glee, calling out to one another. And the spirit smiled upon these revelers and sprinkled incense upon their dinners, incense from his very unusual torch. Spirit! Spirit! What is in that torch?
2: Flavor! Warmth! Spirit! I add zest to the feet, so that their walk becomes a dance. I sprinkle savor in their nostrils. Deliciousness pours from my torch and lights on every table. The poor ones, most of all. Why the poor? They need it most of all. Ha <laughs> Look, we've arrived.
0: The Cratchit Parlor is revealed with Mrs. Cratchit and Belinda setting the table when Martha
2: arrives. Uh, who are they? The family of your 15-shilling clerk. There's Mrs. Cratchit, wearing a threadbare gown made brave by ribbons. Ribbons make a good show for sixpence, Scrooge. She and Belinda and Peter are greeting Martha home for the day. You know them well? I often drop in here.
4: Potatoes are done, Mother. They can't be done. Your father's not home yet. Nor Tim. How can the potatoes be done when they're not here? He's coming. He and Tim are coming. Hide, Martha. We'll surprise him. Hide! Behind the table. One squeak from you, mouse, and I'll chop your head off.
5: Mrs. Cratchit, my love. It's cold out there. Merry Christmas. Still the prettiest girl in Camden Town, I declare. Merry Christmas, children! Ah, where's Martha? Mrs. Cratchit, where's our girl? Not coming. Not coming? Not coming for Christmas? Father?
4: I cannot bear teasing him. Father? Father? My clever
5: family played a trick on me, eh? That's better, eh, Mrs. Cratchit?
3: I do believe I am what is called a family man. They're eh? mauling him! Stop that! Stop that! He'll have no strength left for work tomorrow! Children, children, children! What
4: do I smell?
5: It seems good spirits have been at work here,
4: eh? It's the pudding. It's steaming in the copper. Come into the wash house, Tim, and have a look. Come on, Belinda. Ah, Martha. Oh, that's it. Have a good stretch out, Mr. Cratchit. Oh, look at the two of you. The idle rich. You shall be idle for a day. That'll be my Christmas pleasure. But as for the rich.
5: We're rich. On 15 shillings a week, we're rich.
4: How did little Tim behave at church?
5: Good as gold. No, better, coming home. He told me he hoped people saw him in the church because he was limping. And it might be pleasant to them to remember upon Christmas day who made lame beggars walk and blind men see. But he's growing stronger every day. Doesn't he seem better, Martha, since you were home last? Yes, I truly think he'll grow up hearty and strong.
4: Look out, Tim. The pudding will be lovely. She tried to pig. I did not. She did too. Come on, I'm so excited. Okay. I love pudding. Spirit. Okay, so much. Come on, Yay.
5: let's go. That boy. Tim, Martha. Tell us about the milliner's shop.
4: Well, it's all feathers and ribbons and bows and a straw. Fourteen hours a day. Oh, That must go to your head.
3: Incorrigible. Go to your head. <clears throat> Dreadful.
4: Peter, you are a goose. Good heavens, the goose. Peter. Run to the baker's and fetch the goose. Belinda, mash the potatoes. Oh, I'll tend to the gravy. Tim, next to Dad. Martha, oh, good heavens, I'm all aflutter. Oh, children, look at your father. He's beaming like the man in the moon. He's got what he wants. The goose? No, all of us together.
3: I am a rich man. He keeps saying that. Not on 15 bob a week, you're not.
4: Smells so lovely. (gasps) Oh, my goodness. goodness. Smells so good. Look, everyone. Our goose has cooked. Goose (laughs) has cooked. (laughs) (laughs) Remarkable
5: (laughs) lad. Such a handsome bird.
4: (laughs) Smells (laughs) wonderful. I can hardly wait. Juicy too. Yummy, yummy.
3: But that goose is a humbug.
4: Remarkably cheap for the size of it. It's a very generous size.
3: Yes,
5: indeed, children. So minute a bird for so many people. Mrs.
2: Cratchit felt herself lucky to get it at a price she could afford. Children.
0: (laughs) There never was such a goose. It elicited universal admiration. And eked out with applesauce and mashed potatoes, it was a sufficient dinner for the whole family. For once, everyone had enough wonderful word enough and the youngest Cratchits, in particular were steeped in sage and onion to the eyebrows but now the moment of crisis is at hand
4: i'm so nervous so nervous i can't bear to watch it come out
5: there there my dear children the pudding always puts your mother into a fine state
4: don't tease me bob suppose it shouldn't have steamed through and through Suppose it should break when I turn it out. What if someone climbed over the wall and stole it while we were busy with the goose?
1: Face
5: the catastrophe, my dear. Belinda will accompany you. Belinda, have the smelling salts
4: handy. Oh, go on with you.
5: It happens every Christmas, eh? Oh, my dear family.
4: Such a day. Such a day.
5: Smells like washing day at a pastry cook's establishment. Something profound is coming. Children. 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 Salute the pudding. Salute your mother. You see, my dear, it's quite perfect.
4: Oh, I had my doubts about the quantity of flour.
5: Such a small pudding for so large a family. Hush,
4: hush, hush.
5: You don't want to miss the toast. Mr. Scrooge. I'll give you Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast.
4: Founder of the feast, indeed. If I had him here, I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon.
5: Mrs. Cratchit, it's Christmas.
4: I'll drink to his health. For your sake. To Mr. Scrooge, the founder of the feast. To Mr. Mr. Scrooge. Scrooge.
5: And to us, a merry Christmas.
4: God God bless bless us. God bless us, everyone.
3: Did you see that at the end, spirit? With the lad, that little one with the crutch, Tim. He will live.
2: Tell me. I see a vacant chair. A crutch without an owner. Say he will be spared, kind spirit. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die. What then? If he'd be like to die, he'd better do it quickly and decrease the surplus population. They hadn't enough to eat. Today they had. Enough is a wonderful word. A remarkable word. It means something different to each man. Use your excellent brain, Ebenezer Scrooge, and travel forth. Where? Our time is short, and we must visit the Surplus.
0: Scrooge would have preferred to stop at the Cratchit hole, but that was not to be. Without a word of warning from the ghost, they traveled far and wide, visiting what Scrooge had called the Surplus Population. And every soul among them hummed a Christmas tune or had a Christmas thought, or spoke below his breath to his companion of some bygone Christmas day with homeward hopes belonging to it. Scrooge felt as if he were moving over an unknown abyss whose secrets were as profound as death. Scrooge suddenly saw the planet with great clarity He grew to know the surplus population. He observed, tallied, and totaled in his best counting-house way. He peeked into the soul of humanity, heard the carol upon its lips, and understood the memory of bygone Christmases in its heart. Being a man who respected numbers, the very quantity of human souls preoccupied with Christmas thoughts gave him pause. He turned in mid-ocean to ask the spirit to explain and found himself in a bright, dry, warm parlor instead. Scrooge looks around, trying to get his bearings. There is a party with punch and mistletoe and a small tree, along with Fred and Mrs. Fred, great with child, and their friends. Tis my nephew.
6: Why am I here, of
3: all places? Oh,
6: I don't believe it. <laughs> He did. He said Christmas was a humbug and meant it.
7: More shame for him, Fred.
6: He's not exactly sweet-tempered, but a comical old fellow. I heard he's very rich.
7: You can't prove it by any generosity Fred's received.
6: Oh, but he has given me a gift. This old paperweight. Nothing rare about it, yet for some reason I quite treasure it. He shied it at me. <laughs> well, he did. Yesterday, in his office. I no patience with him. His offense carries its own punishment, my love. In spite of this bountiful gift, he doesn't seek out my company. He refused my invitation to dinner, which meant poor Topper here had to eat Uncle Scrooge's share as well as his own. His absence is itself a kind of gift. But Uncle Scrooge has missed something far more important than a Christmas feast. What could possibly be more important than that excellent dinner? A dinner faultlessly wrought by the dainty hands of Mrs. Fred and her two lovely sisters. Better than the feast? My wife herself. Uncle has lost much by not knowing her. She is so altogether satisfactory. You'll never make a poet. Ah, uh, me... Uncle's given us enough merriment tonight. It would be ungrateful not to drink to his health. Oh. We'll take a glass of mold wine. Uncle Screw. Uncle Scrooge. Dear me, you oughtn't. I don't deserve. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Wherever he may be. Thank
3: you, nephew. May you have the same. Must we go? Must we spirit? Such a grand party. I want to stay. He knows how to give a party, does Fred.
0: But the ghost did not give him time to linger. The party disappeared and the ghost and Scrooge continued on their journey. Much they saw and far they went. And Scrooge watched the ghost of Christmas present as he ministered to the surplus population.
2: You look quite worn. Are spirits lives so short? My life upon this globe is brief. It ends tonight. Tonight? At midnight. The time is drawing near. Spirit! Spirit!
3: There is something strange and
2: terrible! A claw or a foot beneath your robe! It is a kind of a claw. Look, Ebenezer. Look here! Look here!
0: Scrooge turns to present in time to see him draw from the folds of his robe. Two children. A boy and a girl. Wretched, abject, frightened, hideous, miserable. They kneel, clinging to his robe. Spirit, are these yours? They are man's. They
2: cling to me, appealing from their fathers. This boy is ignorance. This girl is want. Beware them both and all their kind. But most of all, Beware the boy, for upon his brow I see written doom. Unless these writings be erased, these are our discarded fruit. Have they no help? No refuge? Are there no prisons? No workhouses? No treadmills? Ah!
0: At each of these words, Scrooge reels as if struck by blows and retreats to no. his bed. No! No! The clock struck twelve. As the last stroke ceased to vibrate, the phantom appeared, a tall black figure shrouded, hooded, faceless. Its mysterious presence filled Scrooge with a solemn dread. Its very blackness seemed a part of the night, and Scrooge could sense the gaze of its invisible eyes.
3: Am I in the presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come? Ghost of the future? I fear you more than any specter I have seen. Yet I am prepared to bear your company and do it with a thankful heart.
0: Will you not speak to me? The phantom shakes his head, and his ghostly hand points to a funeral procession led by an undertaker. Scrooge watches as it passes slowly. But he is all alone. Who is dead? Who is dead? Tell me, ghost of the future! With another shake of the phantom's head, the Cratchit family appears, except for Bob and Tiny Tim. As Mrs. Cratchit sows, Peter is reading from the Bible.
4: And he called to him, a little child, and set him in the midst of them, and said verily, I say unto you, except ye become as little children, ye shall no wise enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's the colour of the cloth. It's hard to see, and it hurts my eyes. There, all better. Candlelight has made them weak. I wouldn't want your father to see me with weak eyes when he comes home, Peter. Peter. Isn't he late? He walks slower now. I've known him to walk with Tim upon his shoulder very fast indeed. But he was very light to carry. Father loved him so that it was no trouble. No trouble.
5: I'm sorry I'm late. I've just been to the place where Tim will rest. I wish you could have seen it would have done you good to see how lively a place it is. But I'll take you. We'll walk there every Sunday.
1: My little... My little child. My child.
5: I'm sure we'll never forget Tiny Tim and how patient and mild he was.
3: Tell me, tell me, are these the shadows of the things that will be? Answer me, Prince of Death, for I know you now, and you are he. Death is the subject of your lesson, and death I must learn.
0: Yet another funeral procession appears, and Scrooge approaches the coffin.
3: He's all alone, alone. No, I cannot. I cannot open that coffin. And yet, if that man were to rise up now alive, what would be his first thought? Avarice, hard dealing, the same business that has consumed my life. A rich end, truly. Tell me, spirit. Is there any person who feels emotion caused by this man's death? Surely there is kindness and mercy even in your dark realm.
0: <laughs> with a wave of the phantom's arm, there is Joe the Beatler, huddling with several underworld customers.
1: You met by moonlight, as they say, my dears. Who's first? Joe,
7: no, I was here first, eh? Good. Then let the charwoman be first. Let the laundress be second, and let the Undertaker be lost. <laughs> the Undertaker's always lost anyway.
1: As you like. I'll buy it all, whatever you bring, be it linen or lead, candlesticks, nut picks. Old stones or old bones, <laughs> though there ain't many bones as old as my own. <laughs> I do love my trade, don't you know? Happy in my work. Well, well, what have you? I ain't weep alive. She's
7: afraid. Remember, Lord, you've a perfect rod to look out for yourself. The dead man always did. True, he did. And we're so hungry at home. The little ones never get enough to eat. Don't stand there, quaking. Who'll be the wiser? No one'll be the wiser. That's it. The dead man won't be worse for the loss of a few If he'd been half human in life, he'd have someone to look after him in death, instead of gasping his last, all alone. It's a judgement on him, isn't it? Enough pretty,
1: Sam. Let's do business. Let the
7: laundress go. It's her first time. Step up to Joe, dearie. He won't bite. And he gives fair value for goods.
1: Oh, let's have a look. Towels, pair of boots, nice little pair of silver teaspoons. Not bad for a beginner. You'll do fine at this business. That's your account, my dear. And may I repent of my liberal nature? See?
7: You'll take up a nice little bit of mutton to the family.
0: Next! The Undertaker moves toward Joe with his goods in a cap.
1: A pencil case, pair of sleeve buttons, spectacles, an old paperweight. Oh. Oh, not worth much, any of it. Ah, oh, and the cap. Worthless. There. I wouldn't give you sixpence more of your pickleby for it. Next!
7: Now you'll see something. I'm quite the collector.
1: That may see, my dear. Bed curtains. What'd you do? Tear him down, rings and all, in front of the corpse. He didn't seem to mind. My dear, you were born to make your fortune.
7: Don't get grease on them blankets, Joe. Mercy it didn't steal his blankets. Okay. He isn't likely to catch gold where he's going. And look at that shirt, Joe. Not a hole in it. What to do? Twould have been wasted if not for me. Why, my dear? Put it on him to be buried in some folded. But I took it off him again.
0: Scrooge suddenly finds himself in a cemetery, soon fixated. On a particular gravestone in the distance.
3: Are these the shadows of the things that will be? Or that may be? Please answer me, spirit. Am I the man who lay within that coffin? Before I draw near to the stone, spirit, hear me. I am not the man I was. Why show me this if I am past all hope?
0: The phantom points to the gravestone.
3: Good spirit, assure me that I yet may change these shadows you have shown me by an altered life. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it alive all the year. The spirits of the past, the present, and the future will strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons I have learned. Those spirits, I cannot
0: look upon this stone. But in spite of himself, he does look, and there it is. Carved on the stone Ebenezer Scrooge No
3: no 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 ah! Ah! no no, no! I, 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 I will honor I will honor Christmas I I will honor Christmas in my own bed my bedpost my candle the time Time is mine to make amends with, and so I shall. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. Oh, Jacob, Jacob Marley, thank you. <laughs> I, I, I'm on my knees to you, Jacob. You'll see. I'll amaze you. My life shall be a celebration. Must addressed. I can't find a thing. I'm as light as a feather. I'm as happy as an angel. I'm as merry as a schoolboy. I'm as giddy as a drunken man. (laughs) I don't know how long I've slept.
0: Scrooge flings open a window and calls out to a boy below. What's the date, boy? Why, it's Christmas Day, sir.
3: Christmas Day? Christmas Day! I haven't missed it. I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night, in one night, do you hear? Spirits? Spirits? Lad, you know the polterers in the next street, at the corner? I should hope so. An intelligent boy, a remarkable boy. Do you recall whether the prize turkey is still in the window?
4: What, the one as big as me? Delightful lad, yes, the biggest one. It's hanging there right now.
3: Then go and have them deliver it to me.
4: (sighs) You can't be serious, sir. I
3: am in earnest, boy. Take this sovereign. Come back with the poulterer in less than five minutes and I'll give you half a crown. Remarkable boy, delightful lad. (laughs) I'll send the turkey to Bob (laughs) Cratchit.
0: He shan't know who
3: sent it. What a Christmas joke. It's the size of Tiny Tim.
0: (laughs) And in a flash, our boy returns with the poulterer and the bird.
3: Sir, sure, we're back! Hello!
0: Woohoo!
3: What a bird! Well done, boy! But you cannot carry that all the way to Camden Town. You must have a cab. Here, boy, for the porterer, for the bird, for the cab, <laughs> to Bob Cratchit, number 10, Camden Drive. For you, and a merry Christmas. Magnificent boy, magnificent bird. Tiny Tim's face.
0: I must be on my way. Scrooge left his house as the street filled with passers-by, bearing gifts and calling out greetings to one another. (laughs) Scrooge regarded everyone with a delighted smile and looked so irresistibly pleasant that three or four good-humored fellows said, Good day, sir. A merry Christmas to you. Scrooge said afterwards that of all the blithe sounds he had ever heard, those were the blithest in his ears. He had not gone far, however, when he saw two familiar figures. Scrooge tiptoes up behind them. Boo!
3: My dear sirs, how do you do? Mr. Scrooge? That is my name, although I fear it may not be pleasant to either of you. Let me beg your pardon, but would you accept my pledge? Lord, bless me! Are you serious, Mr. Scrooge? (laughs) Not a farthing less. Merry Christmas.
0: Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Mr. Marley. Scrooge never dreamed that any walk, that anything, could give him so much happiness. In the afternoon, he turned his steps towards his nephew's house.
3: May I help Where you? Where is my nephew? Bless us. Are you... I'm me- your Uncle Scrooge. Who is it, dear? Nephew! Nephew! Uncle Scrooge? I believe you made off with my paperweight. Why, I... Uh... Keep it, nephew. As a memento. Only, could you be so kind as to let me in? I've come to dinner.
0: By all means. T'was a mercy Fred didn't shake his arm off. He felt it home in five minutes. Nothing could be heartier. Wonderful party, wonderful games, wonderful unanimity, wonderful happiness. But the crowning delight of this very altered Mr. Ebenezer Scrooge came when he arrived at the office the next morning. Ooh, he was early there. If only he could be there first and catch Bob Cratchit coming late. That was the thing he had his heart set on. The clock struck nine. No Bob. A quarter past. No Bob.
1: Cratchit, you're a full 18 minutes late.
5: I'm very sorry, sir. I I am behind my time. Indeed you are. But it's only once a year, sir. It it shan't be repeated. I... I was making rather merry yesterday, sir.
3: I'm sure you were. Cratchit, I cannot stand for this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, therefore, I'm about to raise your salary. Merry Christmas, Bob. A merrier Christmas than I've given to you in many a year. Ah, but we'll talk about that over a pint of ale. (laughs) Build up the fire, Bob. Then by another, Scuttle's worth. Do it before you dot another I, Bob Cratchit.
0: Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. He became as good a friend, as good a man, as the good old city knew. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he became a second father. it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well if any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that be truly said of all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed...
4: God bless us, everyone! Everyone!